Welcome to another episode of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. I go by the name Q Ward, except when my mom is mad at me, she might call me some different variation of that. <laughs> well, fortunately, I don't think she's mad at you right now. Neither are we, uh, because um, we're having a good day today, having a good week, and we're healthy. You know, Amen. Uh, COVID is, is on the rampage again. And uh, at, at present, uh, we are still able to communicate and uh, do this show. So not mad at all. Before you before you even move on and get into the show. Okay. You're listening to us on the radio. You can't see Ramses. Ramses looks glorious, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Ramses looks so good. Like, it's a good day. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you say we, we're all healthy, we're all feeling good. There's levels to that. Yes, we're all healthy. But I look regular healthy. Ramses looked like won the lottery twice healthy. <laughs> won the lottery twice in his mid-vacation. After the show, he going back to the yacht healthy. So I just wanted y'all to take that in. Just mentally imagine that. Ramses looks like there's a yacht involved after <laughs> the show. Well, I, I definitely appreciate the sentiments. And uh, hopefully we get to share a little bit of this with you. Um, true to form, we have some heavy subject matter to cover. But we're going to try to do it, you know, the way we know how to with as much positivity as we can. So be sure to stick around later in the show. We're going to be talking about why black people vote Democrat. Um, that's mm. something that a lot of folks wonder, you know, what have the Democrats done for black people to get their loyalty? We're also going to talk about um, unfair prison sentencing and a whole host of other things to come but first and foremost uh like we always do at this time let's get into some ebony excellence shall we i do believe we shall sir so um i like this one rico oxendine who's an entrepreneur and financial literacy advocate in pennsylvania has made building generational wealth and closing the racial wealth gap core pillars of his existence he began with his daughter amia i believe oxendine uh who's 12 years old by selling candy at local events barbershops and hair salons using a wagon and as their candy selling business grew they went from pulling wagons to using their own vending machines um this story made national news you know about teaching our children financial literacy and independence. And of course, I wanted to share this on this stage because, you know, hats off to him. This is an example of ebony excellence. Um, let's see, in, in December 2019, Oxendine gifted his daughter her own vending machine. And unfortunately, uh, the pandemic ensued. But the good news was that, um, you know, things have turned around. They put it in a, in a senior citizen's home. And now that, you know, the pandemic isn't as uh gripping as it once was um they're actually making money so uh i'll read this quick quote uh, it says i never thought i would buy a vending machine just wanted to learn how to make money myself and with my child oxendine said it says anyone with the right mindset to create passive income can be successful he says individuals must first have a desire to build wealth through entrepreneurship second they have to build relationships with other entrepreneurs and businesses to leverage their assets. In Oxendine's case, he was able to place his vending machines in the barbershops and hair salons he once sold candy to out of his wagon. Third, uh, the would-be entrepreneurs must learn 
how to perfect their craft, Oxendine learned about vending machines and understood maintenance costs. Lastly, park your money in stocks or investment accounts. Um, Oxendine believes in order to close the racial wealth gap and build wealth, African-Americans must learn to overcome a poverty mindset. So, I believe his daughter's name is Amaya. Amaya, that's it. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, but yeah, a little bit of ebony excellence for you. Um, and uh, it's time to move on. So, if you're African-American, could you tell me anything whatsoever the Democratic Party has done for Black people in the last 20 years? So, uh, most of what I'm going to read here comes from a writer named Keon Charles, right? Um, but before we get into that, your, your initial thoughts, Q. So as you can imagine, because you and I are so active in the community, especially around election time. Right. Uh, and the, the interesting thing is, if you notice who's active around election time, as far as party lines go, the people who are just simply saying go vote are typically Democrat. Right. And that in itself kind of speaks to the why. Right. It's, it's not what have you done specifically for black people, because you can punch so many holes in that argument. We can spend a lot of time saying that they've done nothing. Uh, and this kind of blind loyalty might not be earned. However, we've been kind of given this choice <laughs> between two parties. And, that, and those are the only choices. We like to be more hopeful and, you know, these libertarians and independents and all this stuff. They have no shot. That's why they never win. And I hate to say that with such. Uh, absolute confidence conviction but tell me the last time that someone that wasn't a democrat or republican won and i'll sit here and wait for the hundred years it takes you to find someone um and of course i'm exaggerating it wouldn't take you that long pull out a wikipedia or an encyclopedia or a google that doesn't exist you'll see that you know especially in our years. in our lifetime you know, the Democrats or the Republicans win. And you're kind of given the choice sometimes, unfortunately, the lesser of two evils. When you have one party that's saying, hey, everybody go vote. And you have another party saying, well, not everybody. <laughs> it kind of makes your choice for you. Right. Even if exactly. the specific candidate isn't blowing you away. So those are my initial thoughts. I know we have more nuance, more context, more information, but, you know, in, in my lifetime as an adult voter, there's only been one time where I've been excessively proud and excited about my candidate. I think everyone knows who I'm talking about. I do. Yes, him. <laughs> yes, whoever came to mind first, him. Other than that, it's been, okay, I know what I don't want. Yeah. Neither of you are, neither of you are what I absolutely want, but I can't have that. And, you know, whoever you think I'm talking about now, you're probably right on that one, too. So I'm glad you said that. And I'm glad we took a moment to kind of bring your thoughts into the uh, conversation, because that is precisely what uh, Charles is writing. Um, not only that, you know, um, I, I voted in my first election in 2000. Right. And there's been an election every four years since then. And um, for me, well, you know what? 
I'll do this. I'll read his words and then I'll save my, my, my thoughts until afterward. So talk to me. All right. So this is what he writes says, I'll let you in on a closely guarded secret, something that we African-Americans don't share with outsiders. Are you ready? Lean in, lean in for this one. African-Americans don't like the Democratic Party. Mind-blowing, right? How shooketh are thee? Your surprise is understandable. After all, this is a secret in the Black community. We don't talk about this with outsiders, except for all the articles and books and Twitter posts and protests and graffiti scrawls that bemoan the Democratic Party stretching back at least to the 1960s, produced by everyone from black liberals to black conservatives to black revolutionaries. Let me say again, but this time without the silliness, African-Americans don't like the Democratic Party, but we like real politic. There is a saying that came out of the early Congressional Black Caucus. Quote, black people have no permanent friends, no permanent enemies, just permanent interests. In this two-party state we live in, the only options are between the GOP and Democrats. Democrats, for all their many, many flaws, flaws that Black people bring up regularly and with exasperation, still fulfill Black interests more than the GOP, so they get more votes from us. You might ask, what is so wrong with the GOP? All right, so I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> I do want to finish that, but... I think that points us in a largely similar direction um, to the one that you were taking us in with your thoughts, right? Now, again, the two-party system, it forces really the vast majority of people to choose between the lesser of two evils. There is no precision in a two-party system. I get right. that it has to be some for simplicity's sake, you know, to get everybody either doing this or doing that. You know, we're talking hundreds of millions of people. We have to have some basic philosophy, some base base code language for our government. And a two party system is just easier to implement in mass when a country is this large. But when you look at not just black people, but the vast majority of minorities, we tend to vote more democratic and be overwhelmingly more liberal in our beliefs. In fact, the country is overwhelmingly liberal, um, but most people in the country are unable to vote or most people that you would poll. Um, the reason why the numbers don't reflect that in elections is a lot of people um, are not able to vote. A lot of people are either too young or, you know, there's other issues there. Um, and the biggest issue is that liberal minded people don't turn up in elections to the same degree that conservative minded people do. Conservative minded folks, it is their duty to vote. They would not miss it. Liberal folks tend to be just that kind of liberal, like, eh, you know, it'll work itself out, you know, throw up a shaka, um, like as they do in Hawaii. So um, this is part of the reason why on the democratic sides of things, it's okay to just say vote, because as long as you get to the poll, um, the idea I believe behind it is that the more people vote, the more the poll numbers will reflect the dim the 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 rather the um 
liberal philosophy that is more prevalent in society. And the reason why, in my belief, um, conservative-minded folks don't really love the idea of everyone turning out to vote is because it goes against their uh specific agenda, not the agenda of, hey, let's have a free and fair democracy where everyone votes and we put the right people in to reflect the attitudes and beliefs and, and philosophies of the people in this country. But no, rather, let's get less people out there because we know our base votes more, more uh, at a higher percentage rate, rather. And then we can continue to have power and shape the country according to our beliefs, even though the majority of people don't share these beliefs with us. So, um, I think that uh, when you take into account how a two-party system manifests results in a society like as complicated as this one, um, we're going to have issues like what Charles is pointing out. You know, Black people don't necessarily... I'm softening his words, I'll, you know, I, I know that. But Black people don't necessarily like the Democrats. But when you have to choose between the lesser of two evils, the Democrats are certainly that um, when it comes to a lot of fundamental beliefs, right? Now, for me, that is 100% true. Um, I believe in basic human principles, sharing, helping my fellow man. Um, I shared a video with you, maybe, I don't know, just before we started recording, right? Now, now hear me on this. You're listening, but Q and I, we shared a, a video on, on a text. I sent it over to him. Just want to paint this picture for you. In this video, um, there was a family living in Panama or someplace like that. You know, I, I, you may not be familiar, but there are lots of folks that live near garbage dumps and they recycle from the garbage dumps to make money to feed themselves. They live in houses that they built out of the garbage and they live there in the landfills, right? Um, a woman and her children, her house caught on fire, burned down, whatever. Um, some volunteer folks were down there helping out, caught wind of this story, did a GoFundMe or raised some money for this family, raised you know $30,000, something like that. Were able to buy this woman a real house put toys in it for her children, do all this sort of stuff. This kind of, I mean, Q and I lived a story like this once upon a time where we helped a homeless woman out on the streets where we, uh, where we live and it went viral. And, you know, there was a little girl involved named Nayla and, you know, we were able to help make a difference in the life of this little girl and her mother. So this is kind of a story right up our alley. Um, there's some people that look at that and say, yeah, totally. We should give money to people that need it, the people who, whose circumstances perhaps weren't as advantageous as our own. We should share, we should, you know, as long as I have enough, then I have, and the next thing that I get is I'm able to give away, right? There's people that have that as a, as a base belief for themselves. I'm one of those people. I don't need more than I have. And I certainly don't need more than I need. You know what I mean? How, what, what do I do with more than what I can do something with? I know that doesn't really make a lot of sense, but think about what I'm trying to say. If I have more than I can use, then what's the point of having it, you know? And for those of us who have ever felt how gratifying and fulfilling it is to provide something 
for someone who can never pay us back to give it freely and wish that person well on their journey, that's a fulfillment that you can never buy for yourself. It only comes through giving. Um, and science has actually proven that. I don't have time to go in that direction, but that's actually fact um, based on the human condition. So with that said, I believe that those ideas and those beliefs are more in line with the Democratic Party's fundamental doctrine than that of the Republican Party's doctrine, right? Um, you know, we might talk about uh, Black conservatives, Black Republicans. A lot of times, Black Republicans are that way because they've achieved some success and they are enjoying the money or they think they're enjoying the money. They want to keep more of it for themselves. And if that is your priority in your life, everything else becomes less significant. Doesn't matter how you feel about abortion or uh, doesn't matter. None of those things matter. You know, you might not be the, you know, a gun toting middle American, blah, blah, blah. But if you want to keep your hand on your money, well, this political party, their belief system is that you should keep more of your money and you should not pay into a common fund that helps kind of raise the water level for all the ships in the, in the ocean, as a metaphor. Um, and for me, I'm a human being before anything else. I've achieved a great amount of success. I have no problem sharing it. Not a bit. What am I going to do with it? You know, I, I, I don't need more Rolexes or whatever. I, I, I Forgive me if that's vulgar, but you, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, you, you just don't need six or eight of these things. There's a lot of people who disagree, but I just know that for me, that's not the case. Um, and so I find that my beliefs are more in line with the Democratic Party in that way. Now, you could take a bunch of ideas that Democrats champion, you know, climate change, you know, and, and uh, you know, a woman's right to choose and, you know, on and on, the list goes on. And for the most part, all of them, I can see the human component in there. It's not numbers, it's not dollars and cents, it's not black and white. I try to feel what is the intention here? What is the goal here? You know, is it every man for himself? You know, or is it, hey, we're going to get through this together? And again, I'm not knocking anyone with conservative beliefs. I, I'm just not one of those people. You know, there's a, a, a law of the jungle that's eat or be eaten. And then there's another law of the jungle that says live and let live. I'm one of the live and let live people, right? And I find that a lot of minorities and a lot of people, you know, we don't eat each other. You know, a lot of people are of that same persuasion, live and let live. For some reason, there is a pride associated with being Republican that is almost like I'm proud to be this mean person, this hard nosed, hard line gun toting. Like, what do you need a gun for? The only purpose of a gun is to end the life of a, of a living creature. That is the only purpose, the only designation. And if you think of a gun, what side is it typically associated with the Republican side? Now, I will finish and then I want to get some more thoughts from you, Q. Um, so Charles goes on. On the best days when the stars align just right, this is the best outreach the GOP can offer African-Americans. Quote, 
what do you have to lose, end quote. And we know where that quote came from, right? Our Sorry, former president. You remember he was on stage, he was like, what have you got to lose? Blacks, <laughs> or however he said it, what have you got to lose, you know? So our former president actually said that. And that in, in, in Charles's, you know, uh, writing here reflects the attitude of the Republican Party. Um, I'll continue. He says, huh, is that it? That's your pitch? I used to work in sales. I would have gotten fired if I said that to a customer. What do you have to lose? No platform information, no specific policies, not even a dream, just a dare. It's basically like saying, what's the worst that could happen? And that's the GOP's best pitch. That's what happens when their third eye opens and the muses speak through them. <laughs> the average GOP pitch, GOP, for those that don't know, stands for Grand Old Party, and it's a term associated with Republicans. Um, the average GOP pitch is to insult African-American history and circumstances, insult Black culture, and call them slaves for voting Democratic, i.e. the Democratic plantation, Enforce policies that African-Americans regularly oppose and then ask, why won't you vote for us? On the one hand, the GOP promised to crack down on BLM protests and suppress black votes. But on the other, they also called me a slave for voting against them. Oh, decisions, decisions. It's what I've come to call the, quote, hey, stupid, vote for me, end quote, strategy. The GOP and libertarians to a lesser extent love this strategy. It's an extremely effective strategy if your goal is to make an enemy for life, not so much if you want to make friends. All right, what you got Q? The alienation strategy works sometimes, however. Uh, in, the, in the age of contrarianism disguised as intelligence or disguised as intellectualism, it works. You know, hey, why are you doing what everybody else is doing? Why don't you step out and vote for me? What do you got to lose? And sadly, that strategy is more effective than you might think. It's kind of a waiting there game. People right? who love, there's people who love to stand on the other side of the street and tell everybody else that they're wrong just because they're everybody else. Hey, if everybody's doing that, shouldn't you question it? It's like, no, sir, it's flooding over there. It's dry over here. The, the, the decision was actually pretty easy. See how the water's up to your waist now? And that guy's over there just treading water because he doesn't subscribe to groupthink. Uh, so, you know, unfortunately, when given one of two choices, it gives both sides a lot of latitude. I think you said earlier, they're just not very precise because they don't have to be. Right. They don't have to speak to the needs of this very diverse population. They right. kind of ride in the extremes and the GOP does a better job at riding on their extremes. So the people who subscribe to that, they subscribe to it wholeheartedly. Yeah. So that's why you don't see them screaming for people to come out to the polls. Their people are coming because they matter. love what they're selling over there. You don't see a lot of people that are Republicans screaming for bipartisanship. They don't care. They want to do what they want to do. And that's why a lot of people start to call the Democratic Party weak because they're trying so hard to meet them in the middle. And at some point you have to question, why are we meeting them in the middle? 
a lot of their policies and things that they practice, preach and believe are, they should be extremely against what you think. But, you know, we want to sing Kumbaya and we are the world and hold hands and, and kind of meet this party in the middle that has no desire to do the same thing. And as with any relationship, we both have to want this. If one of us wants this and the other one wants this, that's, that gap still exists, right? And I guess you feel like it's less wide and you can say, I gave it the good old try, but it's the lack of commitment to some of these promises that they make during their campaigns that kind of have some people just say, you know what, I'm not going to vote at all. People are, are starting to become apathetic to the entire system because they don't see results and they don't feel heard or cared about. So it's, it's fishy, man. But like, like we've both kind of said, and like this author said, when given the choice of choose one of two evils, we go with the lesser one that doesn't want us to be eradicated. <laughs> that doesn't make, that hasn't made it clear that they absolutely don't care about us. Well, even I if they haven't gone as far to show us that they really, really support us either. Well, I, uh, I appreciate your thoughts. Um, it's definitely something to think about and hopefully it, uh, gets folks started in that direction. Stick around your radios. We're coming back with more civic cipher right after this. <laughs> 